Welcome to the Bourbon Library, hosted by the Bayless Brothers. A spirited conversation always served neat as barrel proof of our family bond. Grab a glass. The episode starts now. Hey, friends. Welcome to another installment of our ongoing series, The Bourbon Library. This episode features series regular Craig Bayliss, or better known as Dad, and special guest Tim, the Godfather Peterson. Quite actually my real-life Godfather. Uh, Craig, or Dad, (laughs) and Tim are lifelong friends, having grown up together in the Midwest. Timmy, as we call him, is as much an uncle to us as anyone sharing our actual DNA. He was a sort of mythic figure when we were growing up, always kind of bringing the party and just generally an awesome dude. He was even on our most recent Kentucky bourbon trip. And most importantly, he's provided our dad with an unmatched friendship that is truly the model for brotherhood. That is all to say, we're very honored to have him on, and we hope Tim, Timmy, he will continue to join us. Uh, And actually, he called in from his virtual bourbon library. Say hi, Tim. Hello. I'm coming to you from virtual the future. Well, it's a special treat that we've got you, Timmy, with us today. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Before we get started, I kind of have an important question for my dad and Tim. Who got who into bourbon? Well, this is the way that I tell the story, and then you can let him tell the story. (laughs) So when we were young bucks and living living together, you know, for a little while now, we drank Jack Jack Daniels, and I drank Jack and Ginger. I was a dancer, and your dad drank Jack and Coke. And so uh, that's what we did, and then, uh, you know, life got... Did our own things, went our separate ways a little bit. I mean, still stayed in touch. And then uh, one time, your dad and I was were together, and uh, I was drinking Maker's Mark because I had started drinking Maker's. And I, I think he said, "Yeah, let me try that." And I think he he liked it. Hey, Mikey. Yeah. Hey, Mikey, <laughs> he likes it. <laughs> Is that pretty close? I refuse. To answer that question on the grounds that I might incriminate myself. (laughs) All right. In case you didn't understand that, since my dad is calling from an undisclosed location, uh, a.k.a. his bourbon library is in the basement, he says he refuses to answer that question because he doesn't want to incriminate himself. On this program, we like to ask the big questions. Our latest inquiry has caused us to ponder, what does Harry S. Truman, the name Meredith, and Bukowski's post office have in common? Keep that in mind. That's of vital importance to you and to the world. The answer is actually very simple. Old Granddad Bourbon. For this, you know, the on the nose right away first, yeah. It smells good. It smells like bourbon. It's inviting in that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it definitely the spicy of, of on the tongue of the rye, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, 
I, I think when you, when you look at the bonded, right, and, and we all know what bonded, you know, means, but it is a way of these distillers, these masters, to compare apples to apples among themselves and what they do to say, hey, this is me, this is representative of me and what I do, and I compare it to any other bonded, right? Because they're all following the same sets of initial exactly. rules. Exactly, exactly. So today we're drinking Old Granddad Bottled and Bond. Let's talk about what that means for a second. All right, according to Wikipedia, to be labeled as bottled and bond or bonded, the liquor must be the product of one distillation season. That's either January to June or July to December. By one distiller at one distillery. It must have been aged in a federally bonded warehouse under U.S. government supervision for at least four years and bottled at 100 proof. That's 50% alcohol. The bottled products label must identify a distillery where it was distilled and, if different, where it was bottled. Only spirits produced in the United States may be designated as bonded. So, this was a result of the Bottled and Bond Act. The act was designed to ensure a level of quality and production uh, for bourbons sold in America. Because prior to the Bottled and Bond Act, there were all kinds of little tricks, you know, flavored and colored with tobacco or iodine or a number of other strange things. Uh, this act set a standard in which people could expect their bourbon to adhere to. I think sometimes the bonded can be the best expression of you know their product or their line of what they do right interesting yeah it's it's like the um your dad doesn't it's, agree it's like the <laughs> it's like the pilsner of beer right the one set standard the it yeah. can be nuanced and no it's but it's all it's sort a, of it's a really good point tim but i'm a high proof guy right so the 114 is a better version in my opinion old granddad has a lineup of three bourbons the Bottle and Bond, which we're drinking for this program, that's 100 proof. They've got the OGD 114, which is, of course, 114 proof and happens to be an amazing autumn bourbon. And then they have their sort of entry-level 80 proof. No, in this case, I agree, but I, I speak in general, right? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, this has a little bit of, uh, you know, the heat and the spice to it. Um, uh, it's not, um, it's not cinnamon like that you bake with, right? In that it's like, like, but it does have that kind of cooking spice flavor to it. A little yeah, bit. no, it does. It does. But it's got a little of that red hot. And as a kid, like I had mm -hmm. never understood why they called red hot cinnamon flavored candy because mm -hmm. it doesn't taste like cinnamon to me. That's true. You know? And so there's something a little else. of that like heat uh, in the mouth on the tongue. Uh, but the finish, well, I mean, the finish is nice and sweet. Yeah, oh, yeah. Can, so we, here, can we talk oh. about, uh, just for a second, like what bonded is and what's bottled and bonded? One distiller, one season, 100 proof. The 111 rule. Yep. And it's all in one location. One distiller, yeah, one, yeah, one yeah. location. Right. And then does a government yep. official have to go there and bless it? Is it like like a kosher? Yeah, yeah is there 
Yeah, technically it's in a certified rickhouse. So who does that? Who is that the mayor? I, of the I town? think that yeah, I think that uh, I'm gonna find out who does that job and apply for it. <laughs> yeah. it's, probably, it's probably one of those ATF jobs or something like that, and we're too old oh. now. You gotta be, you know, the top limit is like 32 years old. Oh, so I'm, I'm aged out. out. 30 years out of you before you retire. Wow. I'm calling bullshit. I'm not too old. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you got it. We're drinking old granddad bottle and pond. We all know now what bottle and pond officially is. What's really fascinating to me is the bourbon sort of family tree, right? Uh, these bourbons sort of have their own line, their own name. You know, they might say distilled at old granddad distillery. But the fact is they are part of a larger conglomerate most of the time, with the exception of a few other special bourbon companies, uh, like one we mention all the time, Three Boys Distillery, which is its own kind of amazing farm uh, distillery. But... Let's break it down for a second. Who owns Old Granddad? I mean, it's been around since the late 1800s. Old, old Granddad is Jim Beam, which is all the bees. Right. Basil, Basil Hayden Booker's Bakers. Mm. And who do, do we, here's a little trivia for you. Who is on, who, whose photograph is on the bottle of Old Granddad? Uh, Grandpa Bayless. <laughs> uh, uh, the granddaddy of bourbon i don't know who that is oh it's gonna be uh jefferson somebody jefferson lee or or somebody something like that Some, it's, uh, it's a fine, the last name is hayden i'll tell you that much oh it's baseball hayden it's old granddad was created by colonel rb hayden from the hayden family which started their first commercial distillery in 1840 the bourbon's name is inspired by the colonel's grandfather, a distiller of uh, quite good skill as well, Mr. Meredith Basil Hayden Sr., which also lends its name to another whiskey in the same line, Basil Hayden. Meredith is a woman's name. Well, <laughs> apparently not in 1840. Word is that it comes from the same batch that Basil Hayden comes from, so it's a high rye mash, right? Which right. is why I like it. If you like Basil Hayden, don't spend the extra money. Mm. Now I like I like Basil Hayden. I never I haven't had them back to back to really compare. No, that would be a cool thing to do. I'd like to. I I feel like Basil Hayden has more of that dill flavor that you get, and that's why I don't like it compared to this. But I like this one. Well, it's no secret that Old Granddad is one of Alec and I's very favorite bourbons, but. We're not alone. In fact, President Harry S. Truman, along with his wife Bess, loved OGD. Mr. Chairman, and all the good farmers who are responsible for this wonderful demonstration, it does my heart good to see the green fields of this nation once more. They are a wonderful sight. The record-breaking harvests you have been getting in recent years have been a blessing. I love resource-driven creative and culinary pursuits. I'm always fascinated by work when human beings create within their means. Just like any other, you know, uh, culture or, you know, depending on where you live, you make the best use of what's around. And so 
you know, the ability to, to brew, right? Because you make beer in order to, and then you distill it in order to make bourbon. And it's what you have available. And we were abundant with those grains and, um, and, and the oak, right? The oak to make the barrels in that. So we had a lot of resources. And in fact, yeah, I think the Irish influenced it. You know, it's, a, it's an old art, but it's an old and ancient art that goes back many different cultures. Right. Brewing and distilling. It was more than an abundance. It was an overabundance of grains. Right. So they had to find a way to not have the corn go to waste. Right. And not have the wheat and the rye go to waste. So it was a good way to put it, put it by, as they say. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. The whole world has reason to be everlastingly grateful to the farmers of the United States. What about the oak? You mentioned the oak. Did we have an abundance of oak trees? Sure. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, right? Full of trees. Mm -hmm. That was all forest. They, they took trees down in order to farm. It's, it's, you know, that's what made us, you know, the Midwest, the farm belt. But before there was fields to farm, that was all forest. Mm -hmm. You know, and lumber that was, was cut down to make the United States. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, to your point, it's like we, bourbon is a product of what we, a, we had available to us and B, just out of like, we used all the parts. You know, we cut down the trees to make the, the farms and then the farms end up probably being places where, and then we grew, you know, the farms are where we grew the, the grains and then people were distilling and brewing out of, I'm not sure if they were doing it out of pleasure or, well, I mean, for a while medicinally, but. And remember, barrels back then were the, the, the way of cartage. They're t today's uh, cargo containers, right? Can I, can I ask you guys a few simple questions everyone should be able to know the answer to? Uh-oh. Some real bourbon basics? I only know the tough questions. Who invented bourbon? Who? George Washington. The father of our, our country. I can give you a, it can be, I, I, can give you, he, I don't think he invented it. He created the first big demand for it though, right? George yeah. Washington? Yes. Yeah. He delivered it to his soldiers. Wow. Well, so our options, because it's like a multiple choice, are Julian Van Winkle, Elijah Craig, George Washington, George. Elijah Craig. Dag. William LaRue Weller, and, the, and then the other option is the answer is unknown. Elijah Craig was a, a religious guy, right? Okay. And yeah, he's, he's, he's been tapped as the father of bourbon, I believe. Was it because it was, it was, because he was a priest? No. <laughs> no, quinkadink. And the crops you are producing are driving back the tide of misery in many lands. Your farms are a vital element. Yes. Thank you, farmers, and thank you, Harry S. Truman. Another big fan of Old Grandad was, of course, Charles Bukowski. In his seminal novel, Post Office, Bukowski has his alter ego, Henry Chenansky, drink Old Grandad for breakfast. So, that sort of begs an interesting question. We have, on one end, a president drinking the bourbon, and on another end, we have an alcoholic womanizer drinking the bourbon. 
What makes Old Granddad so special? I personally think Old Granddad, for what it's worth, and now President Truman also agreed, it was his favorite bourbon. Uh, for my money, I love Old Granddad, but uh, and and even more than some of the more expensive <laughs> ones. What do, you, what do you guys think? I'm not a big fan of the High Rye. Um, I, I I mean I I, I can drink this. I, I like the 114 uh, better than the Bonded, which goes against you know what I was kind of saying in that. But I think if you're an experienced bourbon drinker, mm. though, going with the Bonded is a way to to see you know compare expressions, right? Right. And that. Um, but uh, having said that, I don't like the the High Rye Mash. I still drink you know High Rye Mash, and it's it's good. It's good. It's not my favorite, but it's not the best bonded that I, that I've had. But it's good. One cook. I'm gonna kick it out of. Ironically, ironically, Blanton's is the high rye version of Buffalo Trace bourbon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the best bet is to go bonded first, like go to go find their bonded one or their straight bourbon, or what's the what's the best entry point bourbon in any family of of bourbons in your mind? Well, that that depends on if you're if you're new to bourbon or not. Uh huh. Right. So if you're new to bourbon, I would recommend you know something a little lower proof, so it doesn't kind of freak you out right off the bat. Yeah. So I would I would try something like Old Granddad at eighty proof, mm. or Weller at ninety two or whatever it is, or Maker's mark or something right a little more mild right until you until you develop a palate and can handle the the initial sizzle that you get from the higher proof right because the, the higher proof stuff you know the finish is so good but you kind of have to develop that to a point where you're able to handle the initial part totally uh, the the bonded to Tim's point, you know, the bonded is a good way to compare different versions, um, but you got you got to be careful because a hundred proof is is a little bit higher than what a lot of people are used to drinking. Any day, if I'm going to buy a cheap bourbon, and I don't cheap, I don't like to use the word uh, inexpensive loosely. Inexpensive bourbon, old granddad, one hundred bonded every time, or even old overholt because I like rye. I, I can't really judge it until I've had a whole bottle myself, yeah. you know, like I've had like a session more yes. yeah. to really know. Well, that's what we talk about all the time though, right? It's like the context in which you drink something also in, uh, imparts some sort of something into your memory that makes you love something. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, that, I think it does influence your experience, right? Mm -hmm. you, you have multiple senses. So, you know, it's like, yeah. One of my favorite um, um, whiskeys now to drink, bourbons to drink now, is the 1910, right? And edit that out, too, because we don't want people to know about that. It's hard enough to get. But it, it, it's terrific. Tim, Tim of, that's a very fine whiskey. Or old fine whiskey. So, the, <laughs> so, I mean, but part of that, too, is experience, you know? We had yeah. that, that flight at the... Uh, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. at the distillery in that, or in, in that, but yeah. It connects so I, us. I think it yeah. does influence. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love, I, I love the 114. I think it's a good bourbon, but I like it that we had it in the behind that. Uh, what was it? Do you remember the name of the liquor store, Timmy? Oh, Westport Wine and Spirits. That's what Westport it is. Westport Wine, Wine and Spirits. Spirits. 
That's my favorite tasting I think we did the whole time. Right. Well, that back room they have there, I mean, that's nice for people, right? You yeah. And, you know, you might pay a premium on some things, but it gives you the opportunity to taste something that you, you never would, would have the chance. Would, what would you say from when you first started drinking the bourbon to now with the education you've given yourself and the, all the different bourbons you've tasted, what's changed the most in your bourbon drinking habits? I'm definitely, I've acquired uh, an affinity to higher proof. Me too. No doubt. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I would agree that, the, you know, I, doing the higher proof, I know that I prefer a weeded bourbon over, you know, a high rye. The, the, the best description for me came from Ross at Three Boys, who said that, um, you know, you can take the high rye a little too far in his opinion. Right. So wild turkey, yep. basil, basil Hayden, right? They're, they, they're a little too spicy. If you get in that, I think he said something like 7 to 8% range, mm -hmm. that that's perfect. And he's not, he's not a weeded guy. He likes his fry, mm -hmm. but he doesn't like it too spicy. So the, the flavor you get from Three Boys is right like in the middle of the, the rye range. And it has that nutty, chocolatey, sweet flavor. I, for me, that's the, the sweet spot. But And, and then also, um, you know, I maybe drank more Old Fashions or Manhattans, you know, in the past, where now I just have it neat or um, I make big ice cubes, right? Hockey yep. Hockey and cu big cubes and balls. And I said balls. That's right, Craig. <laughs> and, uh, I put my, so... Um, you know, so it's like that. Either either neater on the rocks, but you know, rarely do I have a cocktail. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a good, or Timmy, Timmy, that's a really good point. When I first started getting into bourbon, I made a lot of old fashions, and I really yeah. like old fashions. Yeah, I, I still do. Had, I haven't had an old fashioned in a really long time because I enjoy bourbon so much, straight on the rocks, that I don't even make them. I don't even make old fashions anymore. Matter of fact, I would say the last old-fashioned I had was with you. Honestly, I could just listen to these two talk about bourbon all day long. Their friendship is inspiring and their bourbon taste is aspirational. That's, of course, why we have them on our program. I just think something that's very fun about the whole thing is how they push each other. You know, my dad created his bourbon library. It's his sort of home bar. And then Timmy sort of decided to do the same thing and also started collecting. And then their bars started to match a little bit. And that's just fun. Dad's not like the, you're, which I find really interesting. You're not like the life of the party guy in the sense of like, he's like wild and crazy. But you're always the guy like cooking food, making drinks. Like you, you do like, and I, I think I've inherited some of that of like being the guy to make to kind of like bring maybe the the yeah. heart of the party the heart of the party he's I'm the entertainer the, yeah i'm not the life of the party i'm the facilitator yeah 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 you're yeah i yeah. thought so it makes it makes perfect sense that you fell in love with bourbon then because it's a lot of it is behind a bar showing people different different ones different flights different avenues you can take and like facilitating that experience that you had the first time you went and went to a, a tour or something where someone broke it all down for you and gave you all the context. You know what I think is what, what is cool. You know, I've, we've talked about before all the, 
the visits to the library and all the different people and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Look at look at Timmy's um, library shelf, right? Yeah. Obviously influenced from his uh, his visit to my library, right? <laughs> and then yeah, I, I kind of noticed that too. I was like, yeah, but now, yeah. And I I think it's I think it's totally awesome. It's just kind of fun, right, to see the 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 it desire and love of bourbon and the fun that we have together drinking it. Yeah. Have it, have it carry out, you know, to other people and other places. So the two of you, since we've got you on, and Timmy, I think you need to be a regular on this if you want. A hundred percent. Well, I'll send the. I'm a, I'm available. Good. I'm, hey. I I, I'm uh, I'm quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like even if you weren't, you'd probably say yes. I would probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> the so when was the very what? first time? <laughs> the first time that you guys drank together, Timmy and Dad. Okay. <laughs> so it was, it was your dad, Jeff Paulson, and I at a sleepover at your dad's house, and we were probably 13 years old, and somebody got us a six pack of Miller High Life and your dad took the first swig and could not take it. And I don't think we even, we didn't even finish the beers. I think I, I finished the beer. Um, um, my dad always let us taste beer and it tasted fine to me, but your dad didn't care for it. So from the beginning, dad, you never liked beer. Not once. Not, never. not even, not even the champagne of beers, huh? You can change the name all you want. I ain't drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> As we reflect on the past and our favorite pastime, we are equally confronted by the world around us. The simple act of being together provides a moment of respite. As we say at the end of every episode, to drink is to live. To drink and, is uh, to live. Drink is to live. Love you guys. Love you too. Love you. Good being with you. Great. Yep, take care, guys. Love you. As always, to our guests and listeners alike, we are grateful for your time, your love, and your ears. I'm Ryan Bayless, and this was another installment of the Bourbon Library. I leave you with the words of President Harry S. Truman. Take good care. It is plain enough that we are facing a very disturbing international situation. I should like every American to realize that this country is making every possible effort to preserve the peace. In this critical situation, my motto has been, keep your temper and stand firm. We have kept our tempers. We have stood firm, and we have been reasonable and straightforward at all times. It is the policy of this government to continue working for peace with every instrument at our command. Thanks for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, kindly take the time to rate and review our show wherever you're listening. It will help us grow and make more episodes. Remember to follow us on Spotify and tell your friends about the Bourbon Library. Do you have a bourbon you think we should try? Let us know and we might just feature it on a future episode. 
and we'll be sure to give you a shout out. If you're listening from Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, turn on those notifications so you know when we drop a new episode. All right, bourbon lovers, until next time. To drink is to live.